Hello and welcome to this bonus episode of We Turned Out Okay. I am Karen Locke Culp. I have a master's degree in early childhood education and a bachelor's degree in human development and family relations. And I've got a combined 14 plus years now of working with children, young children and their parents. And um, I wanted to bring you this episode because we are in the middle of we're actually in the middle of some planned downtime so that I can wrap up the book that I am working on. So there's good news on that front. I have finished the manuscript. I, it's off back to my editor, the revised manuscript now, and I'm hoping to have it up for sale on the website by the either the end of August or the beginning of September. And so that's really exciting. But um, And so I've got things sort of planned out for the podcast where there will be an episode every week, but my plan was to not uh, get back in and record again until probably late August, early September. And this weekend, I'm recording on August the 7th. This past weekend, there um, has been just a, a huge resurgence of gun violence in the United States, big mass shootings. And um, I guess part, one, so one thing I'm thinking about is some of you may be listening and uh not not wondering what the big deal is about. I think these these we've had enough of these now that they just don't make massive headlines again, unless it's something like this where where it's three or four coming upon one upon the other. And uh, I was talking to my my youngest, who is a teenager now, and uh, just the other day, and we were talking about how it can be so easy to disconnect and sort of feel like if you're not involved in it to, you know, to, to be silently terrified that someday something like that might happen to you or a loved one. And then to sort of need to keep, to sort of move on in the news, like need to not learn about it or, or read more about it. And some of us might feel the opposite way, which is that like you, you want to just learn everything you can about it and, and almost uh, wallow in it. And it's a little bit hard to stay calm and not to be frightened or anxious when we are doing that. Um, so, I, when I was talking to my 15-year-old, what we basically agreed upon was that uh, what we're going to try and do is, is just send up an acknowledgement, a prayer, a, a, a something, you know, that, that is for the people who have been affected by this, whether people killed or their families or people injured and their families, and just to, to hope that they can find some peace. And, um, and then to acknowledge that like I personally am not going to be able to um as one person I'm I'm just not going to be able to change the climate the like we as a culture appear to be deciding that there's nothing we can do about this and if I let it that thought will completely paralyze me so what I'm doing about it is I'm getting in here and I'm helping you find ways to to help you feel safe and to help your child feel safe in what, you know, just sort of keeps being a feeling like anyway, a more and more an increasingly violent world. Um, and so that's what I really want to do today for you. I, I want to at least give you some hope. And I, I hope you will also uh, send up that prayer, that acknowledgement, that that uh, thought for the people who have been affected by these. Um, and then I, I hope that you will not allow it to paralyze you, not allow it to make you feel powerless. Um, you have choices in your, in your life, just like I have choices in my life. And I hope that this episode will help you see what you can do in order to 
to help you feel safe and help your child feel safe. So I've got five ways that I want to uh, share. And the first one is um, this, this kind of, when something like this happens, especially when it's repeated, you know, when it's several attacks in a short amount of time, um, it's in the news like everywhere. Uh, you can't walk into a Dunkin' Donuts or a doctor's office or a convenience store or a hospital without seeing this news splashed all over the place. And everybody's got these really super tense voices and everybody's uh, trying to give as many details as they can. Uh, your child might be seeing these things. Sometimes they'll show the weapons that, that were used. Sometimes they will just give really sad and awful details about the the person doing the shooting. Sometimes um, it's it's a little bit more of a tribute to the people who were impacted, who, you know, who were hurt or killed. All of that um, just kind of contributes to a, a terrifying climate. And it's pretty terrifying for us, right? If we think about it, it's even more terrifying for our children because they don't understand the big words. Um, they understand the vibes and the and the things that are sort of being said. And they see us tensing up, you know. Um, they may see us be shorter with them because we just don't have any patience because we're so anxious. And um, I, I would ask you, if you're feeling like you can't get away from it, um, because it's in the news everywhere. It's in the news when you turn on your phone. It's in the news, you know, out in the world. Um, <clears throat> you can bet that your child is also seeing that and taking it in on some level. And if you feel at all like they are, then I, my advice number one here is it's in the news everywhere. So talk with your kids. If you get the sense that they saw something, whether on TV or whether or they heard something at school or daycare or, you know, if this is on their minds, what I would ask is that you talk to them and say to them, did you see that? Did you see what was on TV? And just ask them, like, what, what did you think of that? What, what was happening there? What did it look like to you? And answer, inevitably, questions will come up. I think you might find kids asking questions, the most hard to answer, most upsetting questions. And I, I just want to give you a hug right now because that's, that could be something that happens, you know? Um, and then I would say, I would suggest when you talk with them, answer their questions very simply um, and, and try not to give more information than they can take in. If they, if you didn't, if they need something clarified, they'll ask again. I mean, I don't want you to have to worry about like giving them all these gory details. Try and say something very simple like, um, that was really sad what we saw on the news, wasn't it? And, um, you know, sometimes if they ask a question, you can say something like sometimes bad people, sometimes people do bad things and, um, and I'm going to keep you safe or we're going to, we're going to be safe. We'll, I will keep you safe. And because uh, a lot of times what it comes down to is kids want to know that they are going to be safe. And while we cannot be 100% sure that we're going to keep our children safe, uh, in fact, I think it's probably, we, we won't be able to always keep them safe because that would mean that we never let them out of our sight, never let them out of the house. Um, there's, a, there's a sort of risk reward uh, continuum there. <laughs> so uh, we can't, I don't, I wouldn't suggest promising I will keep you safe, but I, 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 I would suggest saying something like, I will do everything I can to keep you safe. Daddy and I, mommy and I will do everything we can to keep you safe. Because that's really what the kind of reassurance that they need. Um, so just talk with them about it and try. And so number two is 
respond gently even to repeated questions. And and what I'm thinking about right now is one of the members of our ninja parenting community. I've started calling them ninja parents. And this particular ninja parent, her, her the forums, her name is Mama Llama. And one day last summer, so in 2018, her son, who we call Little Llama in the forums, was in a car accident with his dad. And they were fine, but the car was totaled. And for a long, long time afterward, Little Llama kept asking the same question over and over again. His question was, why did daddy crash daddy's car? And it didn't matter to him that it, that it actually wasn't like he was rear-ended or, or it, he was not at fault. Whether he was rear-ended or not, he was totally not at fault. Um, it was very lucky that nobody was hurt. But but Little Llama's um, idea, he was he was just two at the time where he was barely three, end of two, early three. Um, And it was just a lot for him to take in. And so for days and days, if not weeks, he repeatedly asked, why did daddy crash daddy's car? And poor Mama Lama was like, it's just getting on my nerves to keep answering this question. Why does he keep asking this question? And um, what we talked about how was how if something is on your child's mind, they will let you know because it's still there for them. Like they need your repeated reassurances that everything's going to be okay. And um, I, I, you know, that's why I want to help you understand that your job is to help them understand, I'll do everything I can to keep you safe. And so what we did with Mama Lama was we basically uh, came up with something for her to say, something along the lines of, um, like, she didn't get into an argument about who crashed daddy's car. She basically said, yes, that was really scary, wasn't it? And, um, and we're so glad that you and daddy are safe, like that you were okay. And they, and then it would sort of get into a reliving of the of the thing because there were there were helpers there so um responding gently even to repeated questions one of the things you can do in these first one or two right like either talking with them or responding gently to their questions is you can remind them of something that fred rogers said mr rogers from mr rogers neighborhood who was told by his mom i'm not going to get it exactly but basically he fred rogers said when i was a little boy and i would see scary things on the news or upsetting things on the news, my mom would always say to me, look for the helpers. You will find that there are always helpers around. And so, um, so if there's some, if if you're in a situation like an accident or, um, you know, if there's some kind of a lockdown or something like that, where you or your child are, um, keep that in mind. Remember to say to them, look for the helpers. You'll find them. They are there. Those people are are there and, and they're helping. And so if your child is old enough to kind of comprehend that, I would say older than two or three, um, you can make that part of the message. Uh, But mainly what you want to help them understand is you will do everything you can to keep them safe. And it's all very calm. We need to try and and respond gently and calmly. The the more upset we are, the more upset our kids are going to be. And they won't understand why. And what they might do is internalize that and say, think to themselves, I've done something wrong because children are incredibly egocentric. So if they see that you're upset, it rocks their world. And then they conclude, this is my fault. And so, um, so explaining to them in very simple words, what you're upset about to, to, to avoid them feeling like this is my fault. I think that's what I would really want you to take away from these first two items. And then the, the third one is don't discourage play. It's how kids think and process. And today, actually, I saw a um, 
uh, there's there's a really great resource if you haven't gone to it yet. Um, it's called NYT Parenting, and uh, it's from the New York Times. It's a whole parenting website, and I signed up for their newsletter. So every week I get their newsletter, and this week the newsletter is about how we adults can can feel uh, better if we're feeling anxious. And um, I loved this. One of the things I really loved about it was the drawing at the very tippy top, which was of a mom kneeling down uh, in what appeared to be like the living room or, you know, some room of, of their home with their child next to her. And the look on her face is just one of agony. And the child is drawing just, there's all, there's like a million drawings on the floor and they're all red scribbles. And because what's happening here is the child is playing to get out their anxiety and their fears. And that's how this particular, you know, author, artist chose to draw that happening. So, so what I want you to do is think about not discouraging their play, even though it's scary to you, it can be really frightening to think, oh my God, my kid is drawing pictures of guns over and over, or they're drawing, you know, people, um, I don't even know, like they're drawing people who appear to be dead and you can tell because their eyes are X's like you'd see in a cartoon or, or, or something, you know, um, it can be, it can be really frightening or they're just giant red scribbles and it's a real departure. And then, you know, the noises that they're making and the, the blocks that they're building up and the, the, you know, the turning their blocks into guns, perhaps there's a lot of different ways that a child would play, but I want you to understand, um, that play is the work of childhood. And when something critical happens, when something upsetting happens, it's even more critical. That's what I wanted to say. I used the word critical in the wrong place there. Um, it's even more crucial that kids be allowed to play it out when it's something upsetting. So while it may look scary to you, um, and I, I wouldn't say don't intervene. I would say if you, if you wanted, you could try to sh help shape their play. So one idea that I learned about as a as a student, um, actually, I, it was at a conference, and um, it was actually Matt Damon's mom who, <laughs> who gave me this idea. She, her name is Leslie Carlson Page, and she is just like, I mean, I love Matt Damon, but I love his mom more. She does incredible, incredible. Nan sorry, not Leslie, Nancy Carlson Page, and it was at the Leslie Kindergarten Conference. Nancy Carlson Page um, talked about how, uh, how one way to resolve feelings of violence or upset is um, to let your kids play it out, right? So so her idea, and I completely subscribe to this, is that it's it's not smart. It's not a good idea to ban all guns or all weapons play or whatever. Um, because what you what you might end up with is a, is a child who can't get their these negative thoughts out and then they can turn that inward or they can become angry. I mean, you know, uh, letting them play. But what Nancy Carlson Page suggested that we do, is try and direct their play a little bit. So maybe after they've been doing this for a while, you, you if they're playing sort of a war game with with action figures, you know, tell them about the hospital that's being built over here and ask them, will they bring some blocks over for the hospital to help the the wounded? You know, um, help them turn their play to something purposeful, and um, that you know, not discouraging it, but instead, uh, not discouraging it, but helping them but shaping it a little bit but at the very least helping them get these ideas out and so you might find that after some sessions like that that's when questions will come and that that's really not a bad thing <laughs> um it's better out than in is is uh, i think an expression that helped me so um 
So don't discourage play. And I think this is where I am going to, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about, Mar- no, not Marie, Marjorie Sanfilippo, who is a child psychologist who did a whole bunch of uh, research on children and guns. Um, it looks like, uh, well, what I'm looking at is a link to Eckerd College's website. Uh, I will link to this if I can. I'm going to try and get this up really quickly, so I just may not be able to. Um, but if I can link to this, I will. Anyway, uh, Marjorie Sanfilippo is a, was a professor at Eckerd College. And so she's being featured as, as being in the news. This article is from 2014 um, because, because that was just after, I can't remember. Uh, I think it might have been just after the Sandy Hook shootings, but I, can't, I, I feel terrible. I, I don't remember when, they, when exactly they were, but it could have been then. Um, she's, she, between 96 and 2003, she published three studies that had to do with children and guns. And basically what the gist of these studies were is uh, they they looked at kids ages four to six in the first study, four to seven in the second study, and then nine to 15 in the third study. And what they did was they gave a group of children safety courses in, in gun a gun safety education program is what it was called. So, so teaching kids, when I see a gun, I should do this. And, you know, things, maybe things like tell an adult, don't go near it, don't pick it up, you know, um, uh, move away from it, those kinds of things. And what they found is that after they, after the kids had had this, they then put a, a, a an unloaded semi-automatic real weapon, but unloaded into a classroom and they observed which kids went over to this gun, which picked it up, which played with it. And what they found is that it made virtually no difference to um, virtually no difference whether they had taken that gun safety education program or not. So what it says here on the Eckerd College's website is, in that group of children, those who had access to parents' firearms were more likely to play with the guns and 8% admitted to having played or touched their parents' guns without permission. Um, in the second study of children ages four to seven, 72% of those who were exposed to a week long gun safety education program played with guns. Uh, and then it says versus 45 must be 40. There must be a percent sign missing versus 45% of children who were not in the gun safety education program. So what they found is that being exposed to that made them more likely to, to go check out that gun. Um, and in the third study, this won't maybe, uh, be quite in the age range that you have kids in, but this, I thought this was quite compelling. In the third study, when told not to play with a gun, but then given access to it, 23% of children ages 9 to 15 in the study group played with the gun, and most of them lied about it when asked. So Marjorie Sanfilippo had this to say at the end of all, uh, you know, in this article. She says, put simply, don't count on children to resist the allure of a gun. And I want to put that here because... Um, I think in terms of not discouraging play, uh, it's sort of between three and four. So in terms of not discouraging play, what I want you to think about is play with, uh, with play guns, toy guns is, is extremely good. I I think, um, because it helps kids get out the, the, you know, playing it out. If we think of play as the work of childhood, play is how kids express themselves. Play is how they make themselves feel better. Um, 
So play guns, toy guns are a good thing. Lightsabers, I mean, any any version of a weapon. Um, if your child is drawn to it, let them play it through if, if, if you're comfortable with that. Um, I found in my family that I was much more comfortable doing that. And, and I also, I remember having kids in preschool who would say things like, my mom won't let me play with guns at home. I know I can't play with them here. Why not? And, and that was a really hard one to explain. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think it came down to parents and teachers thinking, well, if, if they don't see it, then um, they won't want to play with it. And that's really not true. Kids are drawn to to things like this. And so, um, but I bring it up between three and four because I want to distinguish between a real gun, which you obviously do not want to have your children near. If you, um, just from reading the first part of that study where parents who had guns at home, those kids were more drawn to a, to a weapon that they saw um, in, you know, in this study. And so it's almost like kids who who are familiar with a real gun will think, oh, I know what that is. I can I can touch that or I can use that or whatever. And we don't we definitely don't want that. Um, but the next part, the reason I bring it up now, that study is because we also want to help them feel empowered. Guns are super powerful. I mean, like, look at the way that we all sort of react when when guns are spoken about or when like they they can do real damage. They're seriously powerful. And oftentimes children feel very powerless. And that that's a reason that they can be drawn to playing with them, to thinking about them, um, because because they represent something really super powerful. And so I want you to, I want to help you help your child feel empowered um, because they might feel frightened of how everybody is reacting to the news. And then they also might um, still want, still be drawn to a gun, still want that power. And I have in my notes, actually, this is where I want to link to the Mar- Marjorie Sanfilippo study um, because I want you to understand how they are truly drawn to these things. Um, so it, to help them feel more powerful, uh, I suggest asking them some questions like, what would you do or what could you do if something like this happened? Or not even something like this, but if something frightening happened here at home, what could you do about it? And I mean, one of the first things that always comes up is you can teach your child to call 911, but only in an emergency. Um when uh, I, I think of two things involving my own children. So just after the uh, University of Virginia shootings, which is are now probably 14, 14, 15 years ago, um, uh, my oldest was in kindergarten and he, he heard about the, the shootings in school. And so he came home just distraught, of course. And um, he was not feeling safe here at home. And so I remember asking him, well, what, what, what would you do if if somebody came to our home? And for some reason, he had his big worry was that someone would come and light our house on fire. And he, I mean, talk about the mind of a five-year-old. He envisioned somebody doing that by standing at the front door with a lit match. And and what <clears throat> what he decided that he would do about that was he would open the door and he would blow out the match. And I I said to him, good for you. That's awesome. Like I wanted him to feel empowered. It's incredibly, uh, rare. You know, the, the idea that someone would, that this scenario would ever actually happen is incredibly rare. And so I wanted to, to give him the idea, 
I know something to do about this, right? And we did also talk about calling 911. Um, we did, you know, we did talk about other ways to feel safe. We talked about in school, um, like turning the desk sideways so that like no one could, no projectiles could hit him or, you know, his classmates or whatever. Cause, cause he envisioned himself as someone who's going to save others as well. And I, I think that's also part of empowerment is how are we going to keep each other safe? You know what I mean? Helping them understand that. And uh, the other thing I think about is after the Boston Marathon bombings, um, my youngest was eight at the time. And you may, if you didn't live around here, you may not remember this, but there was like almost a week where it was just this horrible culture of fear. At first, no one knew how many bombs there were. And then there was like this huge manhunt and there were signs all over the highways and, and in the news everywhere, you know, that places were on entire Boston sort of neighborhoods, Boston and Cambridge neighborhoods were in lockdown while they went house to house looking for, um, the surviving, uh, bomber and it was terrifying and uh what my youngest did about that he was a huge fan of nerf guns i mean i think we had just i don't know 15 or 20 nerf guns at the time and he went um at some point during that tense week he pulled all of the blankets and sheets and pillows out of our hall closet and he stacked them up all over the house along with boxes and he basically made these like barricades and then he patrolled them with like Nerf guns sprouting from his body. So a Nerf gun over each shoulder, a Nerf gun tucked into his waistband, everywhere he could fit a Nerf gun. And I was like, I kept tripping on the barricades. I was like, dude, can we please put these away? Like, this is this is not helping. And uh, he, I provoked him to tears by saying that. And, and what he said was some, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but basically what he communicated was, there is nothing I wouldn't do to keep you safe, to keep my family safe, to keep you and daddy and Max safe. And he had tears in his eyes. And this is a kid who never cries. Um, I provoked him to those tears by, by disparaging what he was doing to, to, to keep us safe. And when I learned that, I said, oh my gosh, of course, absolutely. We're going to keep them up as long as you want. Thank you for keeping us safe. So empowering kids. I know that there's no, you know, the, it's very unlikely that his barricades would have been kept us safe in a real event. But what we're going for here is empowerment. And who knows, <laughs> in some world, maybe they would have. Um, but I, I was just, I remember feeling very grateful that I didn't, in the end, squash his initiative. And, um, and that's what I would ask of you. So whatever your child comes up with, um, within reason, I mean, I don't want you to, I don't want you to give him the code to your gun safe if you've got one, because we don't want them to get access to real guns and, and try to use them to protect you. Um, but, but on those childlike levels of opening the front door and blowing out the match that an arsonist is about to use to light our house on fire, um, turning over desks to, to be safe so that like we're blocking the person from seeing us or from shooting at us, patrolling with Nerf guns. Um, these are, these are things that at least kids can feel in the, in the, it's a very unlikely that anything like this would really happen. And what we want to do is give them a sense of feeling safe so that, um, they can go about, you know, their, their business of play. They can, they can feel safe in their world. 
Um, and so that's number four, help them feel empowered. And number five is remain calm and help your child remain calm. And what I'm thinking of here, and again, if I can, I'm going to link to these, but I may not be able to. This was episode 261 of We Turned Out Okay featured an incredible woman, a child psychologist named Maureen Healy, Dr. Maureen Healy, which was one of my favorite episodes. Um, she wrote a book called The Emotionally Healthy Child, and she's got a whole bunch of tools in that book for you to use to uh, to help your child be calm, to calm themselves. And what, the one I'm thinking of now is one that I learned and adapted, and I use it all the time. I've taught it to my children. Um, it's called bubble breathing. And so what, what we do in this one, and uh, again, this is, I'm crediting Maureen Healy here with this because it's just, it's hers, it's brilliant. Um, we take a nice deep breath and we bring it down to our tummy. And then we exhale and relax. And then with our next big breath, we imagine that, that, that we've now got a bubble in our tummy. And what we're going to do is we're going to expand it out so that it goes around our body. And so now we're inside this bubble and we exhale and we relax. And then we take another nice deep breath. And I, I'm not remembering it exactly, but the idea is that you're incorporating now, like the next big breath, you can think of it as incorporating your loved ones who are right around you. And you exhale and relax. And then your next big breath in, you expand that bubble so that it goes outside of your home and then you relax, or your car, wherever you are. And then you relax again. And um, then you return your breathing to normal and just notice a feeling that you, you're feeling a little bit calmer. You're feeling a little bit more in control. And um, so the idea is to remain calm and to help your child remain calm. And, and then the last thing I want to leave you with is as part of remaining calm is, and, and my youngest and I talked about this because he was really, of course, understandably, really, really, really upset about these shootings all coming one on top of the other. And um, he just, you know, sort of couldn't believe that this is the world that we live in. And he was really emotional about it. And um, after we had our conversation in which we sort of sent up prayers for the people that that had had, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit. Um, we talked about feeling uh, worried. We talked about, you know, he he had the chance to ask questions. I mean, basically all the things that I've told you to do is what we I did with him and, and it helped both of us. And then I said, you know, um, I noticed you scrolling through Reddit a lot. Like I noticed that it's really hard for you to let this go. Um, can I suggest that you just turn off the internet? And and he was like, oh yeah, that's probably a really good idea. Actually, I, I will go and, and take my shower and I will go play the bass and I will do some of these other things. And he did. And um, not because we want to uh, hide away, but because we now know everything we need to know about this. Um, and and again, wallowing in it, sort of reading every fact and and just and and being super, super anxious about it, all that can contribute to to feelings of anxiety. and we'll pass those on to our kids. So what we need to do is um, be able to shut off the internet and go and, and, and spend some time with our child, go, you know, give your child a hug, um, give your spouse a hug, send up some thanks for the good things in this world. And of course your family, uh, hopefully, you know, you're feeling like they are part of that, a huge part of that. And so those are the five. Okay. So I just want to run, run through them real quick and then I'm going to, um, get this episode out to you. So to feel safe and to help your child feel safe in this world with, the gun violence and, and the other things. Um, there are five things you can do. The first one is um, if it's in the news everywhere, 
and you, you think your child may be noticing it, talk with them, ask them about what they're seeing, um, and answer their questions simply, um, don't give them too much information. They'll ask more if they need if they need more information or if they're still if they're still unresolved questions that they have. Number two, respond gently even to repeated questions. Just knowing that kids need to process things and that that can take a long time. So trying to be patient and answer their questions every time with the with the message, "I will work really hard to keep you safe. We will work really hard to keep you safe." Um, just helping them understand that, helping them know that you're listening to them, you know, that you, you acknowledge their questions and that you um, are there to help. Number three, uh, don't discourage play. Playing uh, with, with toy weapons, playing with, um, you know, building blocks, be, be sort of aggressive play. Um, not aggressive in terms of hurting others, but aggressive in their play, building up things and knocking them down. And, um, and, and using language that sounds incredibly harsh when you're ma- when they're making like one action figure talk to another one or, um, drawing drawings in which people are shooting at each other, um, stuff like that is, it's important to get that stuff out. Um, don't discourage it. It's how kids think and process, perhaps ask them about what they're drawing or what they're playing, perhaps, um, try and direct it as I was saying before. So, you know, maybe if, if there's a lot of drawings of people shooting at each other, maybe you sit next to your child and you, you, you draw a hospital and you say, Hey, can you, can you drive some of those guys on over here? Because we need, you know, the hospital's open and it's ready for, for, um, for helping. And, you know, remembering that idea of like, look for the helpers. Um, and then number four, help your child feel empowered. Guns are incredibly powerful. That's why kids are drawn to them. That's why we all fear them. And, um, when kids feel powerless, what we're trying to do is we're trying to help kids not feel powerless in the, in the, in the wake of something where even we adults feel quite powerless. Okay. So, um, so thinking about what, what you could do, you know, what, how can you teach your child good, useful things to know, uh, in, in an emergency? So this might be a good time to talk about that. Um, it might be a good time to run some fire drills. It might be a good time to just think about like, how do we keep each other safe in our home? Um, and then number five is remain calm, perhaps use that bubble breathing exercise that I spoke about from Maureen Healy and help your child remain calm. Um, and as part of that, I would suggest, um, respectfully, I would suggest getting off the internet and doing something in the real world that involves family, even just yourself, but, um, but getting your child off the internet too and letting the, helping them do things that are, you know, that matter and um, that, that don't have to do with the upsetting news that is all around us. Um, shutting off the internet is a great way to make it so that that stuff cannot penetrate, at least for a little while. So, so I hope this helps. I really, really do. Uh, I am in huge sympathy with you. Um, I am in huge sympathy with the people whose these, you know, the, these shootings have affected and um, I'm hoping to help us all feel more empowered by getting in and giving you some tools. And so that's what I did today. Uh, I hope they're helpful. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. I will be back on Tuesday with um, with a regular episode of the show. And um, in the meantime, I am, if, if one of the things that you're feeling overwhelmed with is school starting or daycare or, you know, the kind of changes that autumn brings, um, I am doing a four-part uh, newsletter about, uh, about, you know, how to handle 
back to school insanity. And um, if you want to sign up for it, I would advise going to weturnedoutokay.com slash weekly, W-E-E-K-L-Y. Again, I'll link to it if I can. <laughs> we'll see what this is like. Um, I'm just going to write slash weekly so that I remember to do that. Uh, because that way you can get, so the, the, the next one that's coming out is number three. It will be out this coming Wednesday. And um, it will have links to the previous two. And then you can expect number four to come in, in the, in the mail. If you, you know, if you sign up for this, it'll wing its way right into your inbox um, on the following Wednesday so that you'll, you know, you'll be able to have these. And um, I hope they're helpful. I've been hearing a lot, like a lot of people are getting in touch to, uh, I always say, I always invite you to ask me a question um, when you first join this newsletter, um, when you first jump into the We Turned Out Okay email news group. And I've been getting some incredible questions. And um, if you have asked one of them, thank you so much. I've, I'm trying to answer them as quickly as I can. I am, uh, I'm in the ninja parenting community every day. But I'm definitely not an email every day because, as I said, I'm, I'm largely offline. So if you have sent me a question and I haven't gotten to it yet, um, I will as soon as I can. And I'm just thinking about you. I think what we need to do here is kind of hold hands and, and approach this together, um, you know, with as much love and uh, thoughtfulness as we can. Um, so, you know, let me just, if no one's told you that they love you today, well, I just want you to know that I love you. And um, I... Uh, I love somebody said that in a TED talk, there was a it was the principal of a school who, who would say that to her students. And I just have always loved that. So, um, you know, like I just said, if no one's told you that they love you yet today, well, remember that I love you. And um, I hope that all is well in your world. I hope this helps. And I will uh, talk to you soon. I'll see you Tuesday. Thank you so much for listening. Bye bye.